This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast, a radio.com sports original. Welcome to the first playoff edition of Baldy's Breakdowns here on radio.com. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I am Jason Lockenfora at Jason Lockenfora on Twitter, and I have the honor and privilege of talking football for the better part of the next hour with my main man, Brian Baldinger, at Baldy NFL. As always, you guys can rate, review, give us feedback on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get uh, your podcast goodness. And please check us out on Twitter as well. And I already know all you guys are addicted to Baldy's feed because he has the best X's and O's breakdowns in the business. This is a little bit of a different week as we transition to the playoffs. So, we're going to hit you guys on a few news items and, and, and takeaways from the end of the regular season. We will touch on some of the coaching searches that are in progress. And then, of course, we will go through all of the playoff games coming up in Super Wild Card Weekend. That's the last time and first time I'll ever call it Super Wild Card Weekend. But I guess I threw the NFL a bone. Baldy, how fired up are you, brother? We've made it through the regular season and we got the playoffs ahead. I, I'm I'm fired up. I'm fired up, Jason. Happy New Year to you and to all of our listeners. Uh, 2021 is here. Uh, and, you know, this is just a great time of the year because the NFL really never sleeps. It's going to be the biggest, busiest wild card weekend we've ever seen. People are telling me that their man caves have never been set up for <laughs> you know, better, better viewing than it will be this weekend. Uh, if you get a bad one o'clock game, you can make up for it at four or or eight, or if you're one of those people that like to play the game of chance in the NFL, I mean, there's plenty of opportunities this oh, weekend. Yeah. And, you know, and this is just a busy time of the year for, for teams that are trying to rebound and rebuild and try to get to the postseason. A lot of coaching searches, a lot of general manager searches. Denver's opened up. Who's going to be running these organizations? And from what I hear, Jason, we're, we're, we're never short of breaking news, and you have some, so let's just start right there. Yeah, well, look, one of the sort of key takeaways uh, from the postseason news conference for teams that didn't make the playoffs was the Dolphins uh, and and uh, Chris Greer, their GM, saying, hey, Tua's our guy. There's nothing to see here. He's our starter. However, Chan Gailey will not be working with Tua in 2021 as his offensive coordinator as he has resigned. At least that's how the team has couched it. This will be... Offensive coordinator number four, basically. I know Jim Caldwell didn't quite have the offensive coordinator title, but when Brian Flores came in, that was supposed to be sort of his offensive guru. Yet more change for that staff. Um, that tends to be the way it goes for former New England uh, young first-time head coaches. Uh, 
here's what I'll say, Baldy, and then I will turn the floor over to you. Okay. This is this is Tua Tungavailoa's first ten games in the NFL. 186 completions on 290 attempts, 64 percent. 1,814 yards, 6.26 yards per attempt. Not great. 11 touchdowns, five interceptions, quarterback rating of 87.1. He won seven games. He lost three. I'm going to give you the first 10 games for another quarterback from the AFC East. Another top 10 recent AFC East first-round quarterback. First 10 games. 132 for 253. 52%. Mm -hmm. 1,633 yards. 6.45 yards per attempt. Slightly better, but not great. Six touchdowns, nine picks. Quarterback rating a 65.5. Four touchdowns, six interceptions. Guess the quarterback, and do you think his team would even have to answer questions after 10 games about whether they were ready to punt on him? Well, that quarterback went from throwing 10 touchdown passes in his first year, Jason, to 20 in his second. Yes, sir. To 37 this year. Yes, sir. And in a in, in, in a year where if Aaron Rodgers wasn't just so damn good, yep. he could be in the MVP con, you know, conversation. Because that's, that's the arc that Josh Allen has been on. And so you have to be patient and you have to have a plan. You got to stick to the plan. And I think really when Miami watched Josh Allen just wipe them up, they were the number one defense in football. Yep. I mean, through 15 weeks, they were the number one ranked defense in football, fewest points given up. And they put up 56 points on them. And, and what Josh Allen did in the second quarter of that game was I mean that was as good a quarter as any quarterback had all year long, and they had to sit there in a front row seat and watch it. And so I'm sure Chris Greer and Brian Flores are saying, "Look, we we drafted this guy Tua. We believe in him. We see you know some of his some of his strengths. We see some of his weaknesses, but we want to be Josh Allen, and we we got to go find a guy like what Brian Dable has done in yeah. Buffalo." And we need to find a guy that can build an offense around our quarterback and make that offense just that good where they can put up 56 points on us as they bounce us right out of the playoffs. And I would say they might also want to think about they've got a great move tight end there and they've got Devontae Parker. But I would also point out that the Buffalo Bills over the course of 13 months went and outbid people for one of the best slot guys in the league in Beasley. They outbid people for John Brown as a really good number three, and they traded a one and a three for Stephon Diggs. So the complimentary pieces help as well, and they rebuilt the offensive line where Miami needs help. So um, we'll see, you know, the approach that the Dolphins take this offseason and what they do with that third overall pick that they got as part of the Laramie Tunsil trade that they might be able to auction that off Baldy and, and pick up, yeah. you know, oh, a yeah. bunch of first rounders the next couple years to keep no that thing afloat. The other big news item coming out of the final game of the regular season, game number 256. I don't think we'd be talking about it and obsessing about it quite so much if it happened in the one o'clock window and there was a bunch of other stuff going on. But the Eagles clearly had a vision about retaining that sixth overall pick. It was executed. It worked. It was ugly. I don't know about you, Baldy. I don't think it's any really that much different from what Mike Tomlin did against the Browns, and that affected other teams, and he played no one. And I don't think it's that different from what the Jags have done the last three or four weeks. Nobody's talking about it because they're not as big market as the Jets, but they've been shutting dudes down for three weeks and playing quarterback roulette to cling to that first overall pick, which they got. Obviously, Joe Judge, he's in a tizzy over it. Um, 
And it certainly has has seems to have split the Eagles organization somewhat. But I think the owner's cool with it because I think the owner knew about it. Well, he, he, here's where I stand on it, okay? And all those things are fair that you just said. But here's where I differ and where I think the Eagles are making a big mistake. Because they had a $135 million franchise quarterback as a healthy scratch. That's a problem. And then you're going <clears> to <throat> evaluate what Jalen Hurts can do that you spent the 53rd pick in the draft on. This is where it's different than Pittsburgh right. and anyplace else. <clears throat> They've got to find a quarterback. And this quarterback, whose last play was a fourth and four play, um, it was a poorly it's – a, it's a poor play to begin with on fourth and four against one of the best defenses in the NFL. And the, the ball falls incomplete. If you kick the field goal on fourth and four – with two minutes and change to go in the third quarter. It's a 17-17 sure. game. Jalen Hurts deserves the chance to go win that game because that's really what it's about. It's about winning games, and it's about finding your quarterback. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the guy or not the guy, but I know that I can make a better evaluation if he comes back in the fourth quarter and wins that game against the Washington football team, bouncing them out of the playoffs. That's a big win. That's a big feather in his cap. Sure. Uh, you know, in this four-game stretch that he was supposed to be given an opportunity. So to pull the Nate Sudfeld card, and I'm not down on Nate Sudfeld, but we know what Nate Sudfeld is. It's the reason why Josh McCown was in a playoff game with a torn hamstring off the bone right? rather than Nate Sudfeld playing. So the Eagles can – they can couch it any way they want, but – like, if that's not a tank move, I don't know what is. You know, I understand six is better than nine when you get to the draft, but the Eagles haven't shown any ability to draft anyways. So, I mean, I wouldn't trust that organization to go find the best player at number six. To begin with, they've got a quarterback issue, and they could have at least gone a little bit further in trying to find out if Jalen Hurts can be the guy, and then to see the fallout from the team. That, uh, you know, was – and the split that the team has where they wanted to fight Doug Peterson on the sideline over the decision. And then, as you say, if it was in a 1 o'clock window, maybe the cameras wouldn't be on Jalen Hurts every two seconds for the next, you know, eight, uh, 17 minutes of the game. Where, and it's just that confused look on his face like, I'm the one that scored two touchdowns right. to keep us in this game. All right, so anyways, that that's my take on it. The Eagles have a real quarterback issue, like a lot of teams in this league. And so they didn't do anything to help themselves out in that situation. No, they, they, they did. Well, you're close to that. You're, you're, you obviously, you know, you live in that area. You, you know, a lot of people there. It seems like at least as we speak, the owners kind of made his bed with Howie and Doug. Would you be surprised if that changed? Yeah, I'd be surprised. I mean, I think they're just status quo. They're like, you know, because Howie's already come out and basically said, look, we all we all have a boo-boo. We all have a, a bad season. Well, right. all right. I mean, if that's the way you're going to look at it, okay. But 4-11-1 and one with, a, with a, a quarterback situation that is really in flux doesn't look like a good place to operate from with your, with your existing organization. I heard Doug Peterson say that, well, we're going to really work hard this offseason to fix – Carson Wentz. Well, you know, Carson I, Wentz is not going back what, in that what, building. What what haven't you done to try to fix him? Right. What what's left to be done? Right. And if that's the case, 
Why aren't you trying to? Why weren't you trying to fix it in the last four games of the season? Why is the off season going to be the magical period yeah. that you're going to fix them? Yeah. So, you know, the, the whole thing is just a mess, and it doesn't feel like when you get to this off season, like a lot of these teams do right now, Jason, where it's like new beginnings. You know, th- this is our chance to to really reset, rebuild. And give our fan base. There's no part of this fan base that feels good no. about Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson, and their quarterback situation going into next year. Yeah, and look, they'll play a lot of word games in the media because they're going to try to retain whatever value they think there is in Carson Wentz and try to pretend that, oh, you're taking him from us. It's not us dumping him on you. But trust me, it's them trying to dump that contract on somebody else. And they'll have to eat at least $10 million of it to do so. Well, we will chronicle the Eagles through the offseason. But, Baldy, they are not among the teams that have the most on their plate right now of those that did not qualify for the playoffs. As we speak, almost 20% of the league is looking for a new head coach. We are going to focus on uh, half of those six openings uh, in this segment. The Chargers, the Jags, the Jets. I think it's fair to say those are probably – the three most attractive jobs, at least as I've talked to potential candidates, um, a lot of them rank those jobs in that order. Let's start with the Chargers. Great roster, beautiful facilities, live on the beach. Um, Justin, Justin Herbert, Herbert is a freak. Justin Herbert. Justin I mean, Herbert is a I mean, freak. you know, first of all, he, he they won their last four games, and you can debate, okay, Kansas City didn't play, you know, I understand all that. But he threw 31 touchdowns, ran for five. He said, all kinds of records. I mean, pull, pull a record out for a rookie quarterback. It's Justin Herbert right now. But it's more than that. It's just the way that he plays the game. You, I honestly feel when I watch him, I feel like I'm watching Josh Allen now. Like I feel like he can make every throw. Jalen Guyton came out of nowhere. He's the deep ball, which is usually, I mean, guys like Troy Aikman, and they'll tell you, like, it's the last thing to come is the deep ball because it's just hard to practice and get guys – But you know, I mean, if he throws the intermediate and short passes with a little bit more touch, like this guy's got it all. And we know that the team has talent. I mean, whether it's the receiver position, the defensive line, you know, getting Derwin James back. I mean, they've got talent. I mean, I think, and just watching last week's game against Kansas City, Jason, I believe that this team, if they do it right, the right, you know, head coach and the right offseason, that they can compete with Kansas City next year. No, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And and look, we'll get into the um, – we won't talk about Kansas City this week because they're not playing. The dirty little secret is <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, the last four or five weeks of the season, his numbers look a whole lot more like Drew Locks than they do uh, Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying that that's who he is, but it's not like they're absolutely unbeatable every single week. Nobody is. They look in, bored in to me, Jason. They yeah. just look bored. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I part of me – understands the records, the runaway, you know, number one seed, all that stuff. Part of it I understand. Um, and part of it is they know that it's only about what they do here in January that matters. Yeah. And getting back to Tampa here for the Super Bowl. That's all that matters. And I kind of feel like that's how they played. You know, they played yep. just in spurts. Yep. They didn't play complete games. They just played in spurts through much of the season. And when I watched them, you know, they, they just – that's what they look like. They look like they're bored, and we'll see if they can flip a switch because they don't look like what Buffalo looks like to me. No, they don't. And, and look, we're going to talk with the Chargers a lot about, obviously, Herbert and the offensive guy, and you know 
Dable would be a great fit. I think Dable would be a great fit. Dable went to high school with Tom Telesco, the Chargers general manager. Yeah. Um, yeah. But who? The, my question is also going to be, who's the defensive coordinator? Because they had, for I'm sorry, and I like Gus Bradley. He's a great dude, but there was a lot of talent there, and it they just never got it going defensively. I would have made the move on defensive coordinator before 2020 started, and maybe Anthony Lynn would have would have saved his job if 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 he did mix it up a little bit and 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 they were a little more stout and consistent on that side of the ball. The other thing about Dable too is I, I could see a bidding war between the Chargers and the Texans. Dable's representation is the same representation as Jack Easterby, as Nick Casario, the new head coach there. As Tim Kelly, the emerging offensive coordinator, play caller, who Deshaun Watson has come out publicly and say, I want this guy to stay with me, um, and who the Mm -hmm. Texans want to extend. So, and Dable was with Casario and Easterby in New England. So we'll see how that shakes out. But as of Wednesday morning, that's definitely a dynamic I would keep my eye on. Jacksonville Baldy, we know, has the first overall pick. They have basically, essentially, they have Trevor Lawrence. Um, I've been reporting since week 16 that they were one of two teams that was serious about Urban Meyer, the other, the Lions, but the Jags are much more serious than the Lions. The Jags have obviously a closer geographic ties through Florida and Gainesville than any other team. They have the young first overall quarterback. The Lions don't. And as much as Urban Meyer will listen to Chris Spielman through their Ohio State ties, a little bit about the Lions, that's not where the wind's blowing. But I'm telling you, the Jags are actively trying to seek an interview, a meeting with Urban Meyer by this weekend. They are willing to commit heavily financially. I don't know if at the end of the day, Baldy, he just wants to be wanted or, you know, he wants to be up for these jobs but physically doesn't feel like he can get back into that meat grinder. But this has been going on for several weeks now. And it's gone beyond playing footsie. I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't know no, if they're no, on second I, base I, yet, but they're getting there. I think there's real fire there. I don't think it's just smoke. Um, and look, I mean, I think when I when I watch Urban Meyer on TV, I mean, I, I see, you know, I see Urban Meyer. I mean, I see a guy that talks football, knows football. He's Ohio born and bred. Um, it, it's in his blood. If he's ever going to think about trying the NFL, and most of these guys do think about sure. it. Sure. You know, I mean, he's only had a pipeline to the NFL for, you know, two decades right. now, uh, you know, starting with Alex Smith at, at Utah. But, you know, if he's ever going to do it, why wouldn't you do it with, you know, Trevor Lawrence or, you know, or, or Justin Fields? Or, I mean, whatever you decide. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you do it with the first quarterback? And I I just did the Jags last game against Indy. And, you know, there's there's a lot of pieces there. Now, you can, their offensive line. I mean, you could line up with that offense line and, and you could play in the postseason with that group. They're good. Yeah. Cam Robinson, you know, uh, Jawan Taylor. I mean, that, that's a good group. I mean, you can upgrade it if you want, but that's a good group. Uh, you know, I think they, you know, the C.J. Henderson was a first-round pick. He looked like a good cover corner before he got hurt. And I mean, I just think they have a few pieces. Josh yeah. Allen, they've got a few pieces there. Chase on Levon Chase on going to be a good yeah. player. Lately. Yep. You know, yep. D.J. Chark. I, I mean, Brian, you know, John Robinson – you know, Robinson was a good player. I mean, they've got pieces. You had a quarterback structure, add some, a you know, move just, tight end, right? Add a move tight end to help that yeah, first round quarterback. For that guy. I mean, I don't think they're, I mean, I can see that team becoming a 500 team and playing that kind of football. And yeah. I think Urban, you know, I mean, he's going to do his homework, but I think he's going to, 
look at that and go, this isn't all that bad. And really, when you look at Jacksonville, I mean, sometimes these head coaches with all this pressure, you don't not, you're not going to have a, a media breathing down your neck. Nope. You're going to be able to get to and from the facility pretty good no matter where you want to live. Yeah. Um, you know, so you can go home. You got whatever you need to do. I mean, there's things that there's things that make that place attractive. You know, I mean, Tom Coughlin will tell you. There's yeah. Says it took him 24 minutes to get to work. You know, Tom yeah. Coffey, you know, he was angry yeah. as hell, but it took him 24 minutes to get to work. I mean, there's certain things about that place that you go, man, I could build this thing. It's like almost being on a college campus again, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that would appeal to Urban. I am completely with you. We'll see if Shad Khan and Tony Khan um, can make that can make that happen, but I think he is absolutely, I don't think, I know he's absolutely positively tops on their list. A couple of years ago, Baldy, the New York football Jets were looking for a head coach again. Stop me if you've heard this one before. At that time, Mike McCagnan was their general manager. They had two names at the top of their list. Baylor's Matt Rule, Iowa State's Matt Campbell. They couldn't really get an audience with Matt Campbell. It wasn't really interested in the job and obviously um you can understand why a lot of people have pulled out of jets jobs over the years and matt rule listened to him but they had they couldn't come on get on the same page about power structure and staff and yeah. obviously you know a year later he's getting full control basically in carolina but you know how these owners are baldy if, if there's they're in a room with somebody and there's one person whose attention they want to get and they can't get it Two years later, they're probably even more infatuated with that person figuring out, wait a minute, I'm a billionaire. Why can't I get this dude to sit down and interview with me? Matt Campbell has done nothing but win at Iowa State and defy the odds and do more with less. I would be stunned if Joe Douglas, who spent a lot of time on the road over the years, who's been on these campuses, who knows who's for gazy and who's for real, New regime, and I'm not saying it's absolutely positively Matt Campbell. I think Marvin Lewis will interview for that job. Um, maybe a Wink Martindale, some other offensive guys. They'll cut a wide swath. But I think if Matt Campbell wants that job, boy, I, I, I bet it's his. Well, I think what, you know, Joe Douglas, you know, he, he was a big Matt Rule fan. Uh, and, you know, with, with Matt Rule and Matt Campbell and Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, what these guys have in common is that, you know, they were able to take two and three-star recruits and walk-ons and win at a high level in the college football game. And you can only do that if, A, you know how to develop players, B, you have a culture that allows development to take place, um, and you do a good job coaching your coaches and really keeping control. And I, I've been around Matt Campbell a lot. I've done a lot of Iowa State games. Uh, like, I've been around Matt Rule a lot. And it makes a lot of sense because – at the end of the day, Joe Douglas wants a guy, and this is what the, the the sticking point for Matt Rule was with the Jets, is Matt Rule wanted to walk in there. He didn't want to call plays. He didn't want to be a coordinator. He wanted to put a staff together, coach the staff, and really be the CEO of the building. Now, the CEO gets you know lost in translation yeah, yeah. a little bit, so I, I don't want to get carried away with that term. But a guy that's large and in charge every day and building the culture, you know, I mean, looking at – you know, how you train and how you develop players and keeping guys out of, you know, the, the training room. And, you know, just the type of locker room that you want to build and the trust and, and the interconnection that you get between players, like that's what Matt Campbell does best. Um, he's never called a play at Iowa State. 
or at Toledo where he had Kareem Hunt and Deontay Johnson and where he's got it at Iowa State now where he's got an elite running back. I mean, he, he knows how to recruit. He knows how to build a staff. He he Him and his staff redesigned the entire defense that now the entire Big 12 uses. You know, just a three-man double cloud look and not to get carried away. But, I mean, he's innovative at the same time. And so I think he's going to get – I know the, the question is, because he was mentioned for the Cleveland job and other jobs when that opened, the, the question is, does he want to – he's got a young family. He's still a young guy. Does he want to leave Ames, Iowa and go build an NFL program in New York? And I, and I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah, I don't either. But I, I hear he's more open to it now than he's probably ever been in, in the past. And, and the other – college name that I would say keep a very close eye on is Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald. That athletic no department no is going through yeah. a restructuring the likes we haven't seen before. His yep. kids are a little older now. Uh, he's not going to listen to everybody who wants to talk to him, but he's going to probably listen to a couple, and I suspect. But that guy, but Pat Fitzgerald, though, Jason, fits in that profile. Exactly. Same, what, same. Exactly. A guy that could compete with Wisconsin and Ohio State and all those teams in the Big Ten with Northwestern student-athletes you know, and the type of player that you're getting there at Northwestern. Absolutely. Well, Baldy, we're done with the appetizers, brother. It's time for the meat and potatoes. We've got six soup. Oh, I'm not going to say it. Wild card games. I caught myself. Wild card games. Not S-word wild card games. Uh, I'm not buying yeah. the marketing bonanza. I say we just go through them, Baldy, yeah. in, uh, in, in, in sort of uh, chronological order here. The Colts at the Bills. Buffalo, I mean, I don't know many teams, if any, have really been more consistent than them. Uh, they seem to have a great thing going. I just have a weird feeling, though, about this game. And I don't necessarily love the way the Colts played down the stretch. I think their zone got a little predictable on defense on the back end. They got picked apart a little bit more in that regard. Buckner, the more beat up he got, they sagged. But, Baldy, they can run the ball. And Jonathan Taylor, at the middle of the season, I don't think they knew exactly how to use him. They know now. You know, mm -hmm. I, I can tell you this. Over the last five games of the season, the only yeah. team with more rushes of 10 yards or more than Indianapolis, who had 31, is Baltimore, who had 36. Mm -hmm. And they're on a whole nother plane. 34% of the Colts' rushes in the last five games went for first downs. The only team better, Baltimore, at 37. Taylor ends up third in the league in rushing. That is a powerful offensive line. If you're able to road grade Buffalo a little bit, who's only 20th in the league and rushing yards allowed per game and per play, I just wonder if you keep Josh Allen off the field. And, he, you know, he struggled in the playoffs last year. And young quarterbacks, you have to play from behind. Even otherworldly young quarterbacks like him, do you revert to your old form trying to do too much, trying to force it? I think there's a script, at least, where the Colts keep this interesting as much as I do have reservations about Phillip Rivers this late in the season, and, and I do feel like their defense has slipped a little, Baldy. Well, I, I, I do agree that uh, that Indianapolis, I was there on Sunday in uh, at Lucas Oil uh, Stadium, and I, I saw the J-Train run for 250. You know, in the history of the Indianapolis Colts, and I was there for four years. But, yes. but I mean, between Eric Dickerson, Marshall Falk, and Edger and James, none of them ran for 253 in a game. You know, so and I know it's the Jags, but it's the way that they run and the way that he's running right now. I mean, it's a it's a really good dance that he does with that offensive line. And it was a great pickup, good foresight by, uh, you know, by by uh, Indianapolis to, to go pick up Jared Valdir, who played real well at left tackle for him. 
But that was a big hole that they had uh, when they lost Costanzo. So anyways, uh, I, I do think that, you know, that is the weakness of Buffalo, being able to stay in there, you know, against a good running football team. But really, there's I don't think there is no answer in the league right now for Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, Xavier Rhodes has had a good season. Um, TJ Carey might get the start for Rocky scene at the left corner. Um, I, I can't see anybody staying with Stephon Diggs in the passing game that Buffalo has right now. And so no matter how much time Josh, uh, Josh Allen sits on a bench, that passing game of theirs is real. And it has been. And the, 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 the Colts are down to safety. I don't know if Kari Willis is playing or not, but, uh, I, I think right now, that the way Buffalo's playing offensively, if you give them 20 minutes of time, right. they're going to put up 30 points. And, I, 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 and I'm just watching the, the contrast that you see between Josh Allen and Phillip Rivers, it, it's just, I mean, it's just night and day. I mean, you're gonna, we're seeing literally the final, the final stages of the true pocket quarterback. I mean, it's over. It's done. You're not getting it from college anymore. No. And to watch Phillip Rivers get off that postage stamp behind the center, and try to move and do anything. Uh, and, and there's other guys in this postseason that suffer from the same thing. Um, you, 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 just can't, you can't watch it anymore. I mean, you're just not going to see it. I'm going to go on a limb and say that you see more snaps from Jacoby Brissett in this game than ever before. I think Frank Reich plays rugby. I think he knows where his team is, and I think he knows Brissett opens up. So we already see him on short yardage all the time, but I bet we see him even more than we have in the past. Second game of the weekend, Baldy Rams at Seahawks. L.A. really kind of staggering down the stretch, although they did uh, find a way to beat Arizona in the battle of the backups last week. But they don't know if it's going to be golf or if it's going to be Strebler. Uh Seattle's defense quietly got a lot better as the season went along, although we're not positive um, as we record this if Jamal Adams is going to play or not. I still think Seattle probably finds a way to take care of business here. What about you, Baldy? Well, I mean, the Rams can't score. They haven't scored a touchdown since, you know, they're since week 15, you know, against, uh, you know, against the Jets. That's the last touchdown they scored. So, I mean, they've gone against Seattle and last week against Arizona, and they haven't scored a touchdown. Defensively, they scored nine points. Offensively, they kicked three field goals last week to beat the Cardinals. And when you see them, I mean, they can get the ball down the field. They can't. They can't get it across the goal line. No. And so, you know, that part of that was Seattle two weeks ago, and Seattle's not great, uh, you know, offensively either. I mean, no. Jalen Ramsey, all he wants is your ex receiver, and he's going to throw a blanket over. Sure. He did over DeAndre. Take Hopkins him out of the game plan. Yeah, just take him out. Of it the just game. takes him out. And and I I kind of texted back and forth to Jalen yesterday. Like, I mean, he he really is bored if he can't get any action and he knows he's going to get limited opportunities. So, you know, everybody's moving, you know, the guy in motion away from him and trying to get him off him and it bugs, but they have that going for him. And the defensive front of the Rams is, is really good. And so whether Wolford plays or not, um, I, I don't know. I think that right now, Seattle, because of the way Russell Wilson just plays and what you can count on from him is that, is I think it'll be close and low scoring, but I, I think Russell Wilson finds a way in the fourth quarter to win the game. I'm with you, Baldy. Then in prime time, we get the GOAT versus the upstarts, Bucks at Washington football team. And look, I I think we we both talked a lot as the Bucks went into their late by week 13 about the crisis of uh sort of 
confidence, of scheme, of of putting the GOAT in position to succeed. Uh, boy, did he succeed the last four weeks. I think this has actually been one of the least talked about sort of underreported stories at the end of the season. Tom Brady for the year, Baldy, at age 43, finished yeah. ninth in the league in quarterback rating, 102.2, 11th in yards per attempt, way above where he was his final year in New England. 40 touchdown passes, Baldy, tied for second in the league. The last four weeks, Tom Brady's QB rating, 126.9. Only Aaron Rodgers was better. 9.8 yards per attempt, first in the NFL. 12 touchdown passes, tied with Rodgers for first in the NFL. 69.1% completion percentage, sixth in the NFL. 64 passing first downs, second in the NFL. 1,333 yards, Baldy. First in the NFL. Washington has the front four, the NASCAR package that reminds me of the Giants when they got to him a couple times in the Super Bowl. But I just don't think the rest of Washington's enough to hold up. And Washington cannot score. And if you've got two quarterbacks you want to play, you've probably got none. The last time Tom Brady threw 40 touchdown passes is when he threw 50 touchdown passes in 2008, uh, you know, 2007. So, I mean, but it, it, it's, it's not, you know, Tampa's offense isn't for everybody. I mean, not everybody can play in that offense. And they have concepts that just other teams just don't uh, – they don't have. I mean, it's its the really the mind of Bruce Arians. And they're going to attack you. I mean, it's one deep shot after another. It's, it's literally an aerial assault. And really, whether Mike Evans plays or doesn't play – I mean, he look, Mike Evans is a great player. And he is probably the single best red zone threat in the league. Um, I don't think anybody really goes up and gets the ball and has the range that he has down there when you get close to the goal line. But Antonio Brown right now looks like Antonio Brown circa Pittsburgh three years ago, four years ago. And and Brady really trusts him. 20-yard comebacks are exactly at 20 yards. Um, he threw, you know, and, and both his touchdowns last week that he scored against Atlanta were basically scramble drills. And now Brady is looking for him the way Ben used to look for him when things broke down. And to me, that's a dangerous concept. The one thing about Tampa I'm a little confused by, Jason, is, you know, they started Leonard Fournette last week and they rotate backs. But to me, there's no, there's no discussion. Ronald Jones is a much better player. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not really sure where Arians is on the running back situation. I mean, they can run the ball with Ronald Jones. He's a good back. And so I think as much as they want to throw it down the field, I mean, I think the running game could help them. But, you know, when you watch Washington and their front four, you call it the NASCAR package, they're they're better athletes than they are pass rushers, meaning Montez Sweat and Chase Young. When when the quarterback is moving, that's when they do their, their most damage. But they're not really great individual pass rushers. Right. They don't beat you the way Strahan beat you or – you know, uh, you know, Michael, OC or, yeah, yeah, OC Uminor or Justin Tuck. They don't beat you like that um, with great one-on-one pass rush moves. They beat you with great athletic ability. And you know, when things break down, that's when they really turn on the juice. And I think the way the ball's coming out of Brady's hands, I, you know, they're probably going to get to him a few times. But I, I think they're going to carve up Washington's yeah. defense, though. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a tough ask for, for Washington. That takes us to Sunday. <laughs> the brass knuckles game of the weekend. Oh, Ravens Titans. I mean, you want to talk about a backyard brawl. Then you add to it, Baldy, that back in November, 
the Titans were celebrating on the Ravens leg lo- logo before the game, and you had the Vrabel Harbaugh stuff, and then take it back to last January in Baltimore, where the Titans punched a team that hadn't lost in three months in the mouth and stole their lunch money and ended their season. I don't know about you, though, Baldy, but this is the NFL, not Pop Warner. A professional football team in the last five weeks just ran 200 times for 1,337 yards at 6.7 yards per attempt, 12 touchdowns. Baldy, their stuff percentage, they ran 200 times their stuff percentage getting stopped at the line of scrimmage, 2%. How, How can you be that explosive and with no negative runs? And the Titans' defense, I'm sorry, they stink on third down. They stink in the red zone. They really can't cover anybody. I think third time is not the charm for the Titans, but we'll see. Well, look, I mean, it, it, you know, on the other side, of course, is Derrick Henry. He just ran for two Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and really, when you go back to the last matchup where, you know, he won the game on a walk-off with his 28th carry of the game, if you allow Derrick Henry to get to 25 or 30 carries, Jason – He's going to get his yards, yes. and it's not going to bode well for Baltimore. When you watch that game, the last game, and I watched it carefully, I mean, Baltimore stuffed them a bunch, you yeah. know, early in that Three game. Three quarters, but, yeah. But but you you saw Derek Wolf, you know, like limp off the yeah. field. And, you know, I mean, you just saw him gradually chop the tree down. And so that's really what this is all about. Can Tennessee keep it close or play with the lead and allow Derrick Henry to just keep chopping at that tree? Because eventually he's going to knock it down. Um, and it doesn't matter because they, everybody feels the same in that fourth quarter when he's just hitting you. And all of a sudden they stop getting in front of him. They stop game tackling. They start throwing a chicken wing out at him. And, you know, he, he dashes 29 yards for a game when he touched down in overtime. So that's that part. But on the other side, the one thing that you, you can't compliment Harbaugh enough on is he rebuilt this offensive line on the fly, oh, yeah. which is hard to do. He changed out centers. He put in, you know, a Ben Powers at right guard, uh, Zeus over to left tackle. Yep. He's got Phillips in there playing now who was injured. Um, you know, they lost their best blocking tight end. But, you know, right now, Ricard is playing at a high level. So the way that they run, it's 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 literally um, – it's a it's jigsaw. It's so multiple, puzzle. right? You don't it's, know. It's yeah. a jigsaw puzzle, and it's a puzzle. And I'm sure Vrabel has looked at it like all day, all day long, but it's a puzzle and you really don't know which direction the ball's going. There's so much misdirection. Now they can just power you and bang you, um, you know, out of a pistol formation with the best of them. But when they start running Bozeman and Zeus to the right and Ricard's coming to the left and JK Dobbins and Lamar are doing some option read. I mean, it is really difficult. And so right now, I mean, teams don't – I don't care who the opponent is, Cincinnati. Teams don't run for 400 yards in this league like they did. They just don't. You you can stop the run if you want. Like, 400 yards last week. And I thought they were taking it easy in the Well, they did. Quarter. It was Justice Hill and Mark Ingram in the fourth quarter. If they wanted to run for five, they could have. I mean, with Huntley, a quarterback. Yeah. I, I think this team that. is is built for this postseason. Um, Lamar Jackson does not have to do a lot of lifting – throwing the ball down the field. I, I think this is Baltimore goes into, into the Ville and they run right through Tennessee uh, into the next next round of the division round. That brings us to Bears-Saints. I, I personally think if I'm a Bears fan, I'm 
kind of petrified about the way the season ended because they beat some really bad teams and they did it with their run game. But it's going to be enough to save everybody's job and it's going to be enough to probably bring Trubisky back. And I don't think that's going to be enough to beat real teams next year. We shall see. Uh, They face a much tougher defense here in the Saints than they had um, mostly down the stretch. We've seen Drew Brees run out of gas in January in recent years, although he didn't have to play that much this year. Although he also had a six-week break last year. And still wasn't great against the Vikings. How do you see this one going, Baldy? Well, I, I mean, New Orleans defense is really the story of this game. Uh, you know, Chicago's built on defense, but they don't play defense like New Orleans. Uh, I know they slipped up against Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts that day, but um, Mitch Trubisky doesn't run the ball like that the way Hurts did. But I think defensively, they have all the chess pieces and all the flexibility it takes to do whatever you want. I mean, put Lattimore on Allen Robinson. Um, you know, they've got linebackers that can run and they can cover. They've got Chauncey, you know, um, Johnson that can just do it all and Malcolm Jenkins and Marcus Williams. I mean, she got all these chess pieces and then they can rush the passer at the same time. And so, I, I mean, I just think New Orleans suffocates Chicago's offense, but I am not in love with Drew Brees right now, no. the way that he's playing. I mean, I don't know if Kamara's going or not going, Jason. Uh, he, he is the it, offense. It'll, it'll depend on the, you know, his testing results through the week. Well, I mean, he is the offense. I mean, forget about six touchdowns in a game. He's the offense. It all, it, I mean, whether he's running the ball, whether it's, you know, the screen game, um, lining up a receiver, I mean, it, it all goes to him. And he's the single biggest, you know, really chess piece in this whole uh, tournament right now. And so they really lose a lot without him. And and really, with w- whether he is or in there, Drew Brees is struggling right now. I don't care what anybody says, and I don't care about statistics. Just watch him throw the football right now and watch the near interceptions yeah. that were dropped last week. Uh, but that being said, uh, this, this defense will, will carry them into this game and into the next round. That brings us to the final game of the weekend. And look, it's well, it's not 2020 anymore, but we're still on, on the fumes of 2020. And, and you had to think that COVID would play a major factor in one of these games, and and it certainly is in Brown Steelers. I don't know about you, Baldy. Kevin Stefanski is my NFL coach of the year. Uh, he will not be on the sidelines. He will not, not be able to lead his men. He will not be able to make a single offensive play call in this game. Uh, they have Bill Callahan on the sidelines. They have um, uh, Alex Van Pelt, and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, they can call the plays. Uh, but, man, oh, man, I think that's a huge loss. They're also without Joel Batonio. We know that White Teller's been um, banged up down the stretch. The left tackle's been banged up. Uh, they really stumbled in, and the Steelers treated Week 17 basically as a buy. although I'm still not sold on the offense. Uh, Pittsburgh has had the Browns number for decades. What do you think here, Baldy? I think losses to Stefanski is huge. Massive. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Baker Mayfield in the – you know, the renaissance that he had this year, I mean, he's only heard from one voice, the, you know, for 16 games. Yeah. And it's been Stefanski. And, you know, anybody that's been around him, and I know you've been around Kevin Stefanski, yep. there's a calmness mm-hmm. to Kevin Stefanski that really can't be duplicated. I don't care what the situation in the game is. There's a calmness and a confidence that comes from one voice that Baker's heard all year. Because we all know, you know, Baker has that ability to get too emotional um, you know, he has to calm himself down sometimes. But Stefanski has been able to do that. Now, Callahan is a godsend, and Alec Van Pelt is capable. I think losing Stefanski and the rhythm that he gets into yeah. with a play call is is huge. Losing Joel Petonio when you're going up against Cam Hayward mm-hmm. and Stefan Tuitt and Tyson Alualu, 
I mean, that, that's huge. That's just a huge loss. Um, so I think in, in, in Pittsburgh's defense, I mean, you give TJ, TJ Watt a week of rest. I can't imagine what he does during a week of rest. <laughs> Lift. Like, what, does he just run around the block the whole time? Like, how does that guy rest? I think. He I mean, he's just going to be so geeked up for this. Yeah. Um, I, I think Pittsburgh's defense really comes alive. And I, I think the loss of Stefanski, loss of uh, Batonio, uh, I think Cleveland really suffers. Yeah, I think he he chugs milk. And the loss of Olivier Vernon. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, this is not set up well for for the Browns. But I I think uh, T.J. Watt watches game film about eight, film eighteen hours a day, lifts the other six, drinks you know milk while he's watching it, uh, and takes a bath in kale, something like that. But yeah, it's uh, it, it ain't going to be pretty for the Browns, unfortunately. And I feel for their fans because they finally look like they're over the hump, and then they have to deal with all this. But that is well, we'll see how they run the ball. We'll, we'll see how yeah. well they run it. Um. Because Nick Chubb, you know, this is his first time in the postseason. Yep. And he's a special player. Kareem Hunt has been there. Um, we'll see what Petonio looks like. But, you know, I, you know, that, that's their hallmark is their ability to, to run the ball, which a lot of teams do. But really, the play-action pass off of that has been the hallmark of Cleveland's offense this year. And so we'll see if they can get in that rhythm against the defense that has been a little bit depleted, though, at linebacker at corner and a little bit at safety as well. Well, this has been a blast as always. This has been the wild card edition of Baldy's Breakdowns on Radio.com. We appreciate you guys listening. As always, you can find me at Jason Lockenfor on Twitter. You can find at Baldy NFL on Twitter. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And Baldy can't wait to do this again next week when, what, dun-dun-dun, we'll be yeah. down to what, the final eight? Final eight. Yeah, this is this is, I mean, this six-game uh, smorgasbord that we all get to enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I know people that are redesigning their man caves yeah. just to yeah. give extra comfort, you know, and, and loading up on all kinds of refreshments here. I mean, it's going to be a, a big deal for every football fan in America. Yes, it is. We can't wait for it to get going, and we can't wait to talk to you guys again next week. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the games.